0: Ooh, okay welcome back everyone hope everyone had a good thanksgiving uh i had an interesting one i'll just give my thanksgiving story real fast so obviously thanksgiving was thursday We're recording this on monday i i Usually have like a big, pretty big, not huge Thanksgiving, you know, just like immediate family kind of thing. Usually lunch kind of bleeds into dinner if people are still hanging around. But everyone got sick, I guess. My auntie and like my cousin guys got all sick. So we ended up having a super last minute Thanksgiving, just my family. And then a couple of my cousins that are here right now. So we had like a impromptu you know, last-minute Thanksgiving lunch. And usually, you don't have to worry about dinner on Thanksgiving. Usually, I would think, because it's, like, the leftovers will carry over. But this is the first time I had a Jack-in-the-Box dinner Thanksgiving. So, definitely pretty <laughs> interesting. I mean, I made up for it. We made up for it Uh, yesterday. So, you know, everyone came over, brought all the food they were supposed to make anyway. So, I ended up not being too bad. We, I ended up getting my thanksgiving food yesterday uh eventually so it wasn't too bad overall but yeah i hope everyone had a good thanksgiving matt how's your thanksgiving
1: you know thanks for asking because i had a great thanksgiving you know this was the best thanksgiving since i think it was 2018 best thanksgiving since 2018 and i think we know why right i think we know why
0: yeah i think we definitely uh know why so let's get into it we will start as we do every show with the Cowboys. So it was a good Thanksgiving. That means the Cowboys won. They haven't won on Thanksgiving in quite some time. I think it's been what four or five years, right, Matt? So four years. It's been four sad Thanksgivings for Matt. He finally gets a good one. So I know he's he's had to wait extra long since they played on Thursday. It's a Monday now. So Matt, why don't you give us uh the rundown reaction? How are you feeling? After a big win against the Giants.
1: I wouldn't say I'm on Cloud9 like I was against Minnesota, but I'm happy. I'm very happy. Um, this game was really a tale of two halves and a tale of two teams that you saw on display. So, first half was a disaster. Uh, we can fast forward. I'll talk about the halftime show. I didn't even watch the halftime show. I was so mad. What I was watching, I was like, I don't care about the Jonas Brothers. I could give two rats about what they're doing right now in at t My team stunk. <laughs> and it was from the start. It was from the very start. I think McCarthy, this is typical bad Mike McCarthy, right? And this is something that we're going to talk about later in the pod, about you know coaching decisions, right? Fourth down, fourth and two, right? Going for it really early. We don't get it. The Giants get three free points to start the game they should have got seven but Dallas got lucky because the Giants got penalized but they get three points early and then we come back right down the field and Dak being bad Dak uh throws a pick and it was a pretty awful pick too because with the way the play was kind of drawn up it looked like Dallas thought they got New York to jump off sides so that everybody thought it was a free play. It's the scramble drill, right? You just run deep, you know, get the deep ball, but they didn't jump off sides. And I'm looking at Dak. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, One, Michael Gallup, that was a terrible throw. Like, I don't know what Michael Gallup was going deep, but Dak was expecting him to come back. Like, there is obviously no chemistry on that play. And that's kind of concerning because Dak and Michael Gallup have been together for quite some time right now. So just to see that was just kind of ugly. Uh, Just just the ugly game. And then we get to Anthony Brown. He's probably the worst Thanksgiving player ever, if we can talk about last year, when he got absolutely torched against the Raiders. But he gets mossed by Darius Slayton, which was a great catch by him. So the Giants are, you know, moving the ball. They get big plays. Uh, Tyler Smith is just holding everyone. I mean, it's just... Bad to worst, and then we go. Oh, Dak comes up, throws another pick in the se- in the second quarter when we're driving, or are approaching the red zone, just, just killer, killer, killer things like that. And then Trayvon Diggs, uh, he gets called for a critical penalty. I think it was like illegal hands to the face or something, but that negated a an interception that we would have got from Donovan Wilson. So all of this this ugly mess. And somehow we're down 13 to seven against the Giants. And oh, by the way, they don't have their, I think, three starting linemen up front. They're missing, obviously, Kenny Galladay. They're missing both their starting corners, and Dak throws two picks. So this is a nightmare. I said, Hell with the Jonas Brothers. I don't care about them. Get them off the stage. Like, let, let's get the guys back on the field. And I. Hey, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened in that locker room. Maybe they were watching the Jonas Brothers. I don't know. But something happened in the third quarter, and, you know, things started to, to look like Dallas football again. And I will say, like, Minnesota-Dallas football. So still some penalties kind of, you know, piling up, but Dallas was able to move the ball. Uh, Dalton Schultz came alive uh, in the receiving game. He had two touchdowns. Uh, the Dallas defense... You know they started to rise to the occasion, partially in part due to uh, Daniel Jones, who is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> you know, Not saying that I want him on my team, but he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. Uh, he helped us out a little bit. And that was, to me, probably the turning point of the game. I don't know what you think. It was that fourth down and one play. They went for it after Dallas scored the touchdown to go ahead. They had Barkley in the flat. And oh. Daniel Jones, <laughs> if he hits him, it's for sure a first down and it's potentially a, a touchdown. Well, yeah, a it lot more. Could have been a
0: touchdown, but it would definitely more than one yard for sure.
1: Yep, and then the rest is is history, right? You, you get a stop. Dallas gets a short field. CD Lamb, eighty eight was just mossing, Mister Holmes. I'm sorry, Bo. You you have Anthony Brown treatment on Thanksgiving. You got absolutely kicked uh in the butt by CD that game. Uh, he was doing his thing. I said Dalton Schultz again got his second touchdown and it was just off to the races from there. I mean, just piling it on Dallas gets another touchdown late in the game with a Peyton Henders shot. Uh, And then the Dallas they had that little um, kettlebell salvation army celebration, which I thought was pretty cool, (laughs) but yep. The whack-a-mole. Right. And then Micah Parsons capping off the game with, you know, another sack. It's two sacks in that game. Uh, doing Micah things. So at the end of the day, it was a a good game. But, you know, there were still some things that I was a little shaky on. Uh, Obviously, the penalties. Like, I don't know. Mike McCarthy, he makes promises that he can't keep. Because what I remember him telling me in the offseason is they were going to clean up the penalties. That was the number one goal in the offseason. And they still lead the league in penalties. They had another, what, 13 penalties this game for 86 yards. And if we're playing a better team like the 49ers or the Eagles, we're going to lose. We're not going to win this game. So that's a concern. Obviously, the coaching is still an issue. Mike McCarthy, you know, making bonehead decisions in the first quarter. Kevin Moore, just you know, he's just off and on. I, I kind of hope he leaves, you know, this offseason. Somebody please hire him. But just the coaching is still... Still a question mark, but then you look at the bright side, and this is what makes Dallas so electric, right? Let's start with the the washed running back we have, or they've washed running back.
0: Uh, he looked good on Thanksgiving. Hey, this was his Thanksgiving. Team. I,
1: w- I want to say his best game of the year, Mister Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Tony Pollard. You know, he's getting all the fame right now. Kind of had a quiet game, but you know, the veteran stepped it up today or on Thursday. Um, he was looking sharp. You know, he was hitting the hole really hard. You know, he's obviously a great finisher uh, at the goal line. So Zeke did his thing. And, you know, Michael Gallup is starting to, you know, get back in rhythm after that ACL. He made some incredible catches. I thought CD is, is playing like wide receiver run. And, you know, all this talk about Justin Jefferson, uh, yeah, whatever. I like my guy. I like my guy and the way he's playing right now. We still could use Odell. I will say that. But I like what CD is doing right now. We obviously know Micah Parsons is a beast. Defensive player of the year, hands down. You know, Dak, yeah, started off slow, but I give him credit. He bounced back in the second half, and that's what we need. I'd rather have you start slow, come back, and finish strong than do the opposite. So a lot of, you know, mixed emotions. Oh, I also got to shout out this guy, too. Uh, jake ferguson had a very nice z kernel forgot to mention that one i thought that was the play of the game and i said when this season started that the reason why dallas did not sign dalton schultz to a long-term contract is because they drafted this kid jake ferguson i think he's going to be better than dalton schultz in a year or two and we saw what kind of player he is he has that ability to kind of You know, find a soft spot in defenses. He's a, to me, he's a little more athletic than Dalton Schultz, too. And he blocks better because I can't stand Dalton Schultz as a blocker. He's terrible. So I like what I'm seeing from Jake Ferguson. And obviously, with Dalton Schultz, they got a nice one two combo at the tight end position. So, you know, at this point, we're eight and three. We're two games back at the Eagles, right? We got a kind of soft spot in our schedule coming up. So we got to take care of business. But, I like where we're at. We're still in the hunt for the division, even though it's getting a little dicey from one to four, but I'm I'm happy with, with where we stand. And I'm just happy that I enjoyed the Thanksgiving this year because it's been a really sour three years for me. <laughs> but let's go. Finally, just finally a good Thanksgiving. I'm so happy. You don't understand that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of the year. And it finally felt good.
0: Well, I know it's definitely enjoy your my holiday food. because you don't let anyone play Christmas music until Thanksgiving is done.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You guys, all you guys listening out there, now it's okay to play Christmas music. You can play Christmas music now. It's okay. But so, any other time after that? No, so no. You, what about all the people that
0: are post thanks? uh not post Thanksgiving, post Halloween Christmas music? Oh, that your- that's
1: just wrong. That's just wrong <laughs> because Halloween follows Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving follows Halloween. It's not Christmas. Well,
0: where are the Thanksgiving we to, songs? We need
1: to we need to it's called uh Weed and Boys by Wiz Khalifa. Uh any post Malone song is pretty good to me. So I think you guys get the theme, right? And
0: there's no there's no <laughs> Thanksgiving songs. You gotta be able to play uh some Mariah Carey and Justin Bieber. Come on.
1: Yeah they can play Mariah Carey on Black Friday. That's when they can play them
0: <laughs> all right. Well yeah it was a good game from the Cowboys, I don't have too much to say other than I guess I, I expected Dallas to win a fairly close one. So that turned out to be the case. I I guess the thing that was most surprising to me was, like you said, Zeke. He, he showed, you know, flashes of old Zeke. So I guess, you know, maybe he was banged up before he's finally feeling good again. Uh, he's running with power, you know hitting the holes pretty hard so I that's just another piece for Dallas to look forward to only thing though like the thing that still gets me about CD that I mean I I will give you this he is a number one wide receiver in this league but I'm not gonna put him in the class of the elites just yet like I wouldn't put him with the Jeffersons you know Devonte Adams Tyree kills. I just I don't see him in that tier yet because just to me, he's still a little too inconsistent. I don't know what it is, but I swear he drops the easier ones. Didn't he have a drop in that like on Thanksgiving too? So I don't know. I don't know if it's just he loses focus sometimes. Cause he makes the clutch catches to to his credit. He makes clutch catches, difficult catches, but I just don't understand the how he's not just so more consistent because I feel like he could have you know just much more production, so i I can't put him up there yet. He's not at Jefferson's level yet Matt if we're being honest, come on Justin Jefferson to me is is
1: Mr. inconsistent because he gets the all these big games and then he just comes down and he, he gets shot draw, down by he Trayvon drop Diggs.
0: passes though That's yeah, not- I
1: give him credit, yeah, he does have better hands than c d. But I'm not gonna put Jefferson on a pedestal and CD at rock bottom.
0: Okay. Oh okay. I'm not saying CD's at rock bottom. Anyway, uh but yeah, it was it was a good good display. The only thing that was pretty brutal was that Daniel Jones fourth down to me. You just gotta make that throw. Like regardless of who you are. Uh simple throw, check to the flat to Saquon, who has good hands. By the way, for a running back, so you put it, put the ball pretty much anywhere near his catch range. He's going to come up with it, but he threw it in like the most uncatchable <laughs> spot. Like he had to turn around. It's low, right? And that's a hard catch, even if you're a wide receiver. So that was a pretty, I think that was, like you said, the turning point play of the game. But good for Dallas. Eight and three now, keeping pace with the Eagles. You got to hope the Eagles, someone beats the Eagles a couple times. Cause even if you guys went out, right, you still probably won't get that one seed. But
1: my, well, my thinking is they still play the Eagles one more time at home on Christmas Eve. So if they're like one, if they're one game back going into that game, that's, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. In. And I think the Eagles play the Titans next week. So it's probably
0: going to be their toughest. I'm crossing game my fingers
1: that King Henry. You know, it comes through. And we play the Colts, so we need to take care of business first and foremost. But we've got a shot next week to catch up in the standings.
0: All right, well, I guess you'll be a Tennessee Titans fan next week. But speaking yeah, of Thanksgiving, Matt, <laughs> speaking of Thanksgiving, let's get into the other games. So one game we obviously have to get to. Uh, the other exciting game on Thanksgiving was the Bills and the Lions. So, you know, a lot closer than what everyone expected, I'm sure. Buffalo ended up only winning by three. You know, I just got to say that the, this theme of close games in the NFL, I mean, it's fun. It's really exciting to watch this year, I would say. Because, you know, the Lions... We're not thinking too much of them. We know they can score at times, but do we expect them to win these close ones? Uh, Maybe not necessarily. They definitely had a chance in this one. You know, I was impressed. Jared Goff at home this year has has played really well. He puts up numbers. And Buffalo has a good defense. I, I know they're a little hurt, but, you know, they're still a pretty solid defense. I'd say one of the top defenses in the league. And Jared Goff, you know, Jamal Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown put up 25 points and had a chance to take the game into overtime. But I think this was a game moving forward for the Bills. And if you're a Bills fan, it's probably really exciting to see because Josh Allen came through when you needed him most. Josh Allen's, and I should say, Stephon Diggs came through when you needed him the most. You know, he didn't have. His hundred yard game, but he was still pretty active. Eight catches, seventy seven yards, and had the key catch to put them into field goal range for Tyler Bass. So, I don't know, Matt. Is this the? Is this enough for you? Are if you're a Bills fan, do you think this is? You okay? Okay, he can do it. Josh Allen is capable of winning these games. You know, down, down, to your last what thirty seconds of the game, and he's able to make the throw that he needed to? Or do you think, ah, it's the Lions, you know? It's kind of hard to discount. What do you think? Is this is this enough for you?
1: I think so, and I don't even need this game to say Josh Allen is clutch, because I've always been kind of a Josh Allen fan as he's kind of, you know, developed into a better passer. And you can always just look back at the the playoff game last year against Kansas City, right? They were just going toe Allen Mahomes, toe for toe. And the only difference is Mahomes got the ball in overtime first and Josh Allen just didn't get a chance. So you can't tell me in that game that if Josh Allen gets the coin toss or they win the coin toss, then you might have a different narrative. And hey, you might have a different Super Bowl winner for, you know. So I think it's – I mean, it is a very good sign this year just because of the Bills and the way that they've been losing this year, you know, it's been the Josh Allen, I guess – lack of clutchness you know in those three games that they lost but um nothing really spectacular to me it was more like yeah this is what i expect josh allen to do and that's what good quarterbacks do so i i liked you know what i saw from from mr allen uh, in this game i know it's the lions but you got to give them credit their lines are playing pretty well right now so they were historically on pace to be the worst defense ever i don't think that's the case anymore so, got to give credit to Dan Campbell in that aspect, I yeah. will say. Yeah. In so that, that aspect.
0: Since you brought up Dan Campbell, going back into that game, right? Pretty questionable time management there at the end. Uh, You know, Dan Campbell electing not to call timeouts there on that last drive, right? And so, I guess here's the thing, right? In that situation, my thinking is you're playing the bills, right So you're down by three right you need you need three to tie and but you're at home you're the underdog. you're at home, right you gotta go for the win to me at least, right And so especially when you know you're the underdog, you know that's that's when you want to see these teams like we saw this weekend go for two, right go for two or be aggressive and to me this was playing not to lose the game at, at that time right because by not taking that time out you're saying okay even if we get a field goal here we're content taking it into overtime but to me like you still have i think they had three timeouts right so you take they used those... one so they had oh, they two used one okay so they had two but You know, with your offense, it's not like your offense had got to nothing that whole game. You were moving the ball. Amon Ross, St. Brown, another dominant game, right? And so, I just don't like that playing not to lose mentality. And you know, Dan Campbell, I thought he would—he was a little bit more aggressive as a head coach. I don't know if he's getting feedback from his OC or who—who's telling him to just you know bleed clock there but i don't know man i i don't like that um not calling timeouts when you have them if yeah
1: if you're that I, far away i too, agree you know what i because mean? i think it was like third and it was third down and then they were like they got to fourth and one and they didn't call timeout i'm like okay are you guys gonna like you know set up your offense like you want to get a good play because if you don't get this fourth down you guys lose I think they ended up getting it, which was that it was that jet sweep to uh, St. Brown. But I was like, okay, you should have caught a timeout there. Like the game's on the line. Don't you want to get everybody on the same page? Right. If you're calling no huddle, you don't want anybody to get a false start or flinch early and then like just panic. Right. I just think in fourth down situations, you want everybody to be on the same page and settle everybody down. That was number one. And then number two, I think it was the very next, after that first down, it was third and one. And they call like a, like a go router. Like it was like, he threw it to, I think it was DJ Shark. I'm like, what are you doing? Like <laughs> third and one. And you called that. <laughs> like just, that it, was worse to me. It doesn't make sense with the theme. And you have timeouts. Either. You yeah. can run.
0: <laughs> it, it just I don't get it. it. It didn't make sense to me. Like, okay, you committed, right? You're going to bleed clock. That's the plan. You're bleeding clock. You have you have your timeouts, right? And so I get it, right? Okay, that's how you want to do it. Commit to that. Then you come out on third and one and throw. Incomplete. And it's like, so what, what was the whole point of not calling the timeout earlier? Right? Exactly. If you're willing to throw to the boundary. And, you know, it's not like it was an for sure completion. That was a throw it up, hopefully... Make a play on the ball type of throw. That wasn't a he's a wide open receiver, he's gonna catch the ball, stay in bounds, kind of throw. It was so I don't understand, like I there's probably that lack of communication there. That just kind of cements to me the Lions, they're talented, they have some talent now, but they're still as a as a collective team not quite there to take that next step. I think, you know, it it's been coming down to one score games, seven, seven points or less this whole season really and this weekend was a perfect example i mean like six or seven games i think uh came down to like one score so it was, it was a bunch of scores across the whole league that came down to one score so i just that to me uh just kind of puzzles me and i mean since we're talking about the coaching that real quick we can talk about tonight's game too right so the Colts electing not to call timeouts as well on their last drive, very similar situation. Uh, to the Bills game, Jeff Saturday. I don't know who's telling him not to call timeouts, but, you know, it it was that same scenario where, uh, I think they pick up picked up the first down or something, right? And then they're taking mm-hmm. like they took like twenty seconds or like the whole play clock to call a play. So I'm like, and the very next play, what Brian gets sacked <laughs> and fumbles should have, could have lost the game right there. Right. But I don't know if that's on Saturday or there's people up in the booth trying to tell them now nah, we need a bleed clock here. But to me, this is even worse because you're down seven, right? You need six. You're not playing for no fuel goal, right? You you gotta take your time out there. Your guys have been out there, you know, take the time out, reset everyone, and you still have a minute left. But no, he didn't call a timeout until the the next play after. So it's just like Like what are we doing? You're gonna take two shots to the end zone and call call your timeouts if it like are we gonna stay in bound Like what is the game plan? And that to me is the inexperience for sure from Jeff Saturday coming out. And I mean, we talked about this hire from the jump, but I'm sure, you know, Jeff Saturday is a great dude and he can lead men and, you know, he's he's been in the locker room for a long time. But to me, it's just the hiring process that still just makes no sense. Like, I think especially after tonight, if I'm a Colts player and, you know, miraculously, up until today, we're still in the playoff race. It it's a lot harder for them now with seven losses and a tie. So that's essentially eight games of not a win, right? So now the best they they can hope for is what eight eight and one. Um, yeah, and eight that, and eight, <laughs> yeah, eight eight and one. Is that good enough to make the wild card spot at this point? Probably not. So I don't know that. I'd I'd be pretty frustrated if I'm a Colts player and I'm committed to that locker room, you know, committed to win and all the things everyone's been saying, oh, he doesn't have the experience. He doesn't have the pedigree uh, for him to for them to not call a timeout there. I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating as a player. So I don't know. It's going to be hard. I think it's going to be real interesting to see Colts games the rest of the year. So maybe it's good for you because maybe at this point they're all just playing for jobs like Guys are just playing for jobs at this point, right? They know they're kind of out of the postseason race. So I don't know. Maybe this is a it's good that the Colts lost and they're a little they'll just mail it in the rest of the season. (laughs) But yeah. Man, these games are so so close, but I just don't get some of the coach. All right. Well, let's get into our other two teams that we cover. Keep it real short and sweet on Miami. They were pretty dominant against Houston. Uh, it was a blowout by halftime. Tua pretty much didn't play the second <laughs> half. Uh the only unfortunate thing though, they lost Ron Armstead. He's gonna be out a couple weeks. That's big because Miami has their toughest stretch of games, uh, like I've been alluding to the past couple weeks. They did what they needed to do. They're eight and three, uh, going into December because They have an extremely, extremely tough schedule coming up. Uh, They have the Niners, who are on a roll right now. So that's going to be a big game. Then they got the Chargers, Bills, Packers, Patriots, and Jets to end the year. And obviously, the whole AFC East is in the playoffs at this point. So they're all going to be tough teams. The Chargers are right there on the bubble fighting for it. Packers, you know, who knows if Rodgers is going to be there or not. But you know, Jordan Love didn't look terrible, so you can't write them off either. So it's it's gonna be definitely interesting. But hopefully they can all just get healthy and uh it'll be a good stretch for them to end the year. And then oh I didn't want to talk about the Falcons game, but Oh geez. I, I get the pain now of like being a Falcons fan. Obviously, I'm not really a Falcons fan. Just gotta cheer for Marcus because you know, uh Hawaii boy, right? But uh they lost in the most like, just brutal way possible. That's probably on par, obviously not the same scale, but on par with the Seattle loss, right, to to the Patriots. When you're dominating all game with the run, you throw it at the goal line and it gets picked, right? So, I was just, you know, upset because it's going to look bad on Marcus, right? He got the pick. But to me, I mean, I, I'm not an NFL coach. I'm not a play caller. But when you're gashing, the whole, gashing them the whole game with these five, six-yard runs, you have three timeouts left. So what is the... Like, you're throwing because you think that's better than running the ball in that situation because you hadn't had a ton of success throwing. So why are you throwing there, number one? Number two, even if you get stopped, you can bleed some clock because you have three timeouts. So if you don't if you want to leave, you know, no time for Washington, you're hoping you can punch it in from what two yards out. So it was just frustrating to me. Um Falcons fans are pretty brutal, not gonna lie. Like they're just calling for uh like Marcus's head. Yeah. yeah. Calling for Ritter, fire Arthur Smith, you know. I don't know. That's to me. I get like the frustration. So a lot of it is probably just frustration, but like, you know, the Falcons have been in the games this whole year. I don't, I don't know if now is the time to just switch to Ritter and just pray. Right. If you want to develop him, like just let him develop and let him come in next year. If that's really your goal. So I think Mark is going to end up riding out the season and he's going to be hated by all Falcons fans. If they, he loses another game, cause then they'll be out of the playoffs that it is what it is, but i I feel bad um probably wasn't I don't I don't know what kind of throw that's supposed to be, right like is he supposed to throw it high like is that I just one of those I things? don't
1: just I don't understand the play calling though and it's like what you said right they're just running they're getting four or five yards to carry just slowly chipping away getting into the end zone and they were doing a good thing, right They're forcing Washington to burn all their timeouts mm-hmm. and I think when Marcus threw the pick, they don't they don't ha- they didn't have any they timeouts. Had none. They had none. So you could just one. It's what I think it was first and goal. Let's no, see. it was second. It was second and goal, so second you- and goal. But you already need a touchdown, so you got three plays. Mm-hmm. Why not run the ball? Okay, if you get in, great. But if you get stopped, okay, you don't think you can get in in the end zone with two plays on the two yard line, and you can melt the clock down all the way. I mean, I just I don't understand that. Yeah. I just don't understand that
0: that was probably this is one of the times where it's hard to i i mean i can't defend arthur smith uh for the that play call in that moment i thought this whole year he's been pretty good uh mixing it up he probably doesn't have the most dynamic offense it's not flashy it's not pretty but <laughs> it's it's done its job for the most part but that one call I, i'm it's kind of hard to defend uh i don't really yeah. have anything to say for that and, you know, Marcus at this point, we know what he is. He's a athletic, he's like an athletic game manager at this point, right? He's he's not the most accurate guy. He's not going to, you know, dot up every team. But, you know, he does enough to keep you in games competitively. Uh, The question is, is it the Marcus is going to pull it out at the end or is it not? And so it's, it's kind of the, the line you, you take with that. Unfortunately, it wasn't that this week. Um, yeah, that's all I want to talk about this game. They're still in it, so there's still a chance yeah. somehow because Brady Brady does not want to win the division either. Like, he had Mike Evans, he had Chris Godwin. Uh, I guess Fournette was out, but not like they were Julio
1: yet. was there too.
0: Julio was there, you know. But it was Amari Cooper, your boy, uh, <sighs> coming up clutch. Oh man, do you guys miss him?
1: Yeah, don't don't remind me. <laughs>
0: Oh, could you imagine Amari on, on this Cowboys team right now? Oh, man. I've, I'm sure you'd take Amari over oh. Odell in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, I would. It's something called chemistry, too, you know? Yep. Ah.
0: But, you know, that NFC South, it's going to be one of those, like, it could be the first seven and ten. It could be the first ten lost teams to win a division. <laughs> Think about that. That's kind of crazy. But both those teams just do not look good right now. And it's probably going to come down to their head to head game. <laughs> so, ah, uh, the NFC South is going to be just hilarious, whoever wins. Uh, all right. Well, let's just wrap up here. Last game Packers and Eagles. So, the Eagles, man, they, I think the thing to me that scares me the most if I'm, you know, an NFC team is. Just the amount of options they have on offense that they can beat you with, and I mean they just gashed the Packers run defense like it was ugly, right? What did they have like three hundred and something yards on the
1: 363 ground?
0: Three hundred
1: sixty-three yards. That's like rushing.
0: playing against UH. 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 <laughs> UH That's crazy to to be an NFL defense and allow three hundred plus yards on the ground. Uh, to multiple guys like that's just kind of unheard of right and so I mean they didn't even need to use AJ Brown or Devonte Smith so that's to me the scary thing about this this Eagles team if Jalen hurts and that offense stays healthy oh I don't know Matt that, that's gonna be kind of tough gonna have I to will say though
1: it. that was it was a bad defensive game for the Packers I mean I don't think it's anyone's secret that hey Jalen Hurts can run. You know, maybe you should uh, account for him a little bit better. Oh man,
0: (laughs) he was. It was just like the classic in the first quarter,
1: something like that. I think. I mean, had 157 for the game, which is ridiculous for a quarterback. It's like the classic quarterback, right? They're in the pocket. Oh, nothing's open. I'm just gonna run. You can't play man coverage the whole time with a no spy, (laughs) right? Or your edge. Edge you guys gotta keep their contain and keep them in the pocket. <clears throat> yeah. And then it's just
0: they just ran all you know, over. It's a lack him. of it defense. Was, yep. It, it was just too easy. Um I mean, I guess though for the Packers, there's some bright spot, right? Uh in Jordan Love, another dark side in Aaron Rodgers. That maybe this is it for him. He looked pretty pretty banged up. He was trying to gut it out. I think you could kind of tell. But you know, so I, I'll never knock you know, Rogers' effort, Aaron Rogers' effort, or anything. But maybe this is time to, it's time for Green Bay to pass the torch. Um. You know, with this loss, I'm thinking they're effectively Yeah, out of they're the done. Else. They're done now. So maybe it's just time to see what you got in Jordan Love, right? Let Aaron Rogers rest up healthy and you can use these next games to assess Jordan Love. Is he the next guy or not? Because if he's not, you still got Rogers for another year. Right, so I would say just let Jordan Love start the rest of the year. You know, Christian Watson, that guy, I don't get it, but he's just a dynamic touchdown machine at this point. Right, he just caught that was like a Tyreek Hill esque kind of catch a ten yard in over the middle and just run past yeah, everyone. Run. Oh, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of scary. He he could be a sneaky sneaky wide receiver um for them going forward. And uh, maybe it, that's that'll be the new duel, The yep. Watson, Watson, Roger. Duel.
1: It's the Rogers to Adams bridge to uh, love and Watson, yeah. That'll, <sighs> yeah, that dude is fast. Um,
0: but anyway, there's a lot of good games, couldn't get to them all, but it's the season's getting interesting. Every it's like every game is one score, it's red zone is just going bananas, so uh. Well, we'll we'll come back to more NFL stuff next week, but you know, let's take a quick break here, Matt, uh get into some college stuff in our second half. So, stick around, we'll be right back.
1: So, Hawaii. Oh.
0: Uh anyway, yeah, sorry. Got to get the clock running here, Matt. We got to go. Um <laughs> Anyway, we're back with college football now, so let's start off with, I guess we'll start off with Hawaii. Um We've been following them all year. It went better than expected. One more win, maybe, than we expected this year. Uh, we had three wins, For- unfortunately, could not win our last game against Chevin. Uh, against San Jose State, but let's let's take a moment here to reflect, Matt. So, on the season, you know, one through ten, how successful was Timmy Chang's first year? I'll give it. I guess I'll give it a. I'm gonna give it a five. Um, on this, this is a scale where five is average, right? When you go like one through ten, five is average, so it's. More or less how I expected the season to go. Mm, I'll just say that obviously there were a lot of negatives, more so on the field, right? You know, we saw the defense at times just not good. Our offense at times just no explosion, no threat whatsoever in that early half. Picked it up in the second half, though, I will say. But to me, the reason that this season was such a success, and, you know, we talked about it last week on the pod as well, is the connection that Timmy had with the players this year. You could tell that they really were playing hard for him every game, even to the end, you know, even this last game. I didn't see too much of it. But, you know, they, they fought hard for him. And... They didn't play perfectly, granted. You know, Timmy probably still has a little bit more to go coaching-wise with penalties and just figuring out what schemes they want to run on both sides of the ball, figuring out what works. But I will say, you know, compared to last season with Graham and we are hearing all these rumors that the players are – the locker room is divided. They hate Todd Graham. They, they don't like the coaching staff. The coaching staff is, you know – all these players are wanting to transfer and did end up transferring, right? So it's good to see at least the culture seems to be established uh, moving forward. It would be nice to see some of those that culture turn into keeping some of Hawaii's key recruits home, going out, getting more recruits that will help benefit the system. So that's why I'm at a five. You know, the football stuff we kind of knew was going to be rough, right? But I'm glad they played hard the whole year, and I'm glad it seems like none of the players hate Timmy. So I'll call it a... I'm giving it a five. That's my ranking.
1: Okay, so I'm a little more negative than you, so I'm going to go at a four. So they got three wins and one for good luck, (laughs) so I'm going to go four. But the thing that kind of stands out to me and I've kind of talked about this on the podcast is more more in terms of the football part. And I think Timmy, I will say he's done a pretty good job in the locker room. Um, like you said, it seems like the guys respect him. I personally kind of struggle to, you know, feel the oomph in his in his voice and his passion as a coach. Like as a player, I would want to hear like some fire. Like I want you to get ready. Get me ready to like run through a wall, like to hit somebody, like this football. Like I need to be fired up to play. And I just sometimes when he talks, it just doesn't it doesn't motivate me. Yeah, actually me. I, so I think I do know what he needs to he just needs to he needs to, you know, find that voice in the locker room. Like that's his next step to me. But you know, we can he can get he can work on that. He can work on that in the offseason. But as far as the the football aspect. And the only reason why it was, I would say, a little disappointing, that's why I was saying a four, not a five, is, gosh, the, sometimes it's the defense. It's it, To me, it's the defense and the run defense. It's so frustrating to me when teams just run over you. Like, they just get whatever they want on the ground. And to me, that's the easiest way to beat someone. And that's probably what we're going to talk about in our next uh, college football game right after this one. But you cannot just let a team run all, all over you for an entire season. Or teams run all over you for an entire season. Like, if I'm going to get beat, I personally want to get beat by the quarterback, you know, playing a good game and just say, you know what, you beat me. You had to at least throw, throw the ball and the guy had to catch it. Had to put, put a little effort into it. Well, when you just get gashed on the ground, don't make the quarterback really do anything. Receivers aren't engaged. It's just a running back tryout almost, or like a showcase. It it's it's embarrassing to me. That's so embarrassing. It started with Vanderbilt, you know. It went on. Obviously, Michigan was a nightmare. And to me, that I'm still stuck on that New Mexico State game. That that game is so sour to me because we could have beat them. We should have beat them. We probably would beat them three, four, four out of five times. And that was the one time that they would have got us. And it's just the lack of adjustments that Jacob Ural and the defensive side of the ball is, they're just not making. (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) You got to stop the run. That's priority number one in football to me on defense. So just the ability to not make that adjustment is, is critical. Um, Offensively. um, I know. You know, Timmy doesn't have all the recruits. You know, this is not his guys. It's Graham's team. But there's just a lot of, you know, easy, you know, things that are just not being executed. And it's just simple pitch and catch things. Happened in the San Jose State game. Jalen Walthall is a guy who's, you know, kind of a victim of drops. But they happen. You know, we're all human. But for it to happen so much... And it's like not those like 50-50 drops. You know, it's a 50-50 ball. Sometimes the defender's just better than you. But when you're wide open <laughs> and you're a D1 athlete, you got gloves on your hands. And then that's what you practice doing five, six days a week. You got to make that play. I don't care. I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if it's snowing. That's your job in a sense. So you got to make those routine plays. And UH... They kick themselves in the foot when they do that all the time. So just sharing up the fundamentals to me is what I want to see. I needed to see some improvement. And you know, they they kind of did, but not enough to say that it was a completely successful first year. But I will say there I do see some glimmer of hope. So um I think Timmy obviously is gonna have a lot. A lot more expectations in year two. I will say that. So um, maybe instead of three wins, we can go for like five. <laughs> um,
0: let's just say, we'll let's just go bowling, right? Why not? I think we, it's definitely a possibility. You know, I'm looking back at our schedule right now. The San Diego State game, we lost 16 to 14. Definitely that was a winnable game. Colorado State, another really close one, 17 to 13. And, you know, you could argue, I mean, the Wyoming and Utah State game, we only lost by a touchdown, right? So those are four one-score games that, I mean, really, those other two were really winnable. Uh, The San Diego State-Colorado State games, we, mm-hmm. you know, had a chance to win. So that's potentially five wins right there that slipped out. Uh, Could have been up to six, maybe seven, so... You know, we were close at times this year, but like you said, the late game execution, uh, decision making, play calling, time management, still kind of a struggle. Special teams kind of a struggle. So, yeah, we I would like to see just it shored up, just the mental mistakes, right? That's that's kind of what you want to see exactly. Like you said, yeah. Like you said the physical stuff, you know, athletes we know you're not perfect. We're all human. And so things are gonna happen, but it's the mental things that I would like to see cleaned up execution-wise going into next year. So but, but just real fast to touch on that thing you said about the fire in his voice, I, I get what you mean because it it's like he's just saying all the right things, right? He's saying the right things, but it I guess it's more I don't know. if uh, He doesn't feel like it's his guys. So he didn't want to go too hard. Right. But I get what you mean by not having that like fire per se. That mm-hmm. Makes you want to run through, run through a wall. Like, like we say, right. So, uh, I mean, I, hopefully that is something he can learn. Right. I'm, it's his first year coaching. He, he has he, to learn that though. He needs to me. He, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. He definitely has to learn it, but you know, he went through a lot this year. I'm sure it, he was very stressed. And so, Timmy, just you take, see it. I hope, <laughs> just take a week, just like sleep. Coach, please, just like get eight hours a night for a week <laughs> straight. Like, I think that'll do wonders. After, you know, Saturday, take like seven days, 10 days, sleep, get full eight hours every day. You can still do work if you want. Hey, congrats to you, but just get get your sleep now. Cause you earned some nap time and some sleep time. Full eight hours will do you wonders. So and then after that, you know, you can get into recruiting and do that. But you deserve a little time to just sleep, man. We could tell you retired. We could tell you're working late (laughs) nights. Oh, I felt bad every like every press conference. I'm like, man, he's just like going through it. He must just be running through caffeine like crazy. But I mean, I guess it's kind of good. You kind of want to see someone working hard, right? Um, but you're too, Timmy. We'll be back to talk UH football next season. And uh, we're hoping to see some improvements. So let's get to our other college football game. Your oh. other your other team that you root for. I guess I am the designated Oregon State liaison for this show. So shout out to Wes, Blaze, and Lucas. Uh, and all you other Beaver fans out there. Who took home the Civil War game this past weekend, coming back down twenty-one points in the second half to beat Oregon in Corvallis, so it must have been even sweeter. I know they only had half the stadium, but it was loud. You could hear it on TV. They were saying it throughout the game. So let's just get into the game, Matt. Personally, I think we all we were all watching the game together, right? We all thought it was over. I thought it was over for sure. I was just gonna go watch UH football. And then you know what? Oh, 31-17, third quarter. I guess there's still chance. And then the wheels fell off, Matt. So, I mean, a lot of things went wrong, but from a Ducks fan perspective, let's let's hear your you can vent it out, you can complain about it. If you don't want to talk about it that much, it's fine. But what is your what was your take on that game?
1: Uh, well, first off, because I'm a man of my word, so shout out to the Oregon State Beavers and their great win in the Civil War. So, congrats, Blaze. Congrats. I'm a man of my word. So, giving you the shout out, you and your Oregon State football team, uh, you know, congrats. Congrats. That's all I got to say. But back to uh, my point of view, and probably from a Ducks point of view. This was probably the worst loss in the Civil War, at least that I can remember. I don't know, maybe in the fifties or sixties they had one, but but in recent time, this is this is bad. This is bad. It looks really bad. And it was like you said, it was just the snowball effect and just the downward smile. And what did I what what was I talking about with UH? Right, what was the thing that drove me crazy? Rush defense. What in the heck was Oregon doing? I mean, absurdly terrible defensive game plan. Right? Dan Lanning, you're the head coach. You're a defensive coach by nature. You coached the defending national champs. Probably had one of the greatest defenses in college football history. And you allowed this to happen under your name? That is terrible. Terrible. And those, like, 268 yards of rushing. And I saw this stat on ESPN2. They had 205 yards before contact. Contact. <laughs> like they didn't even touch him. Like easy 10 yards a pop almost of junk, chunk plays. They're getting big runs. And oh by the way, they completed six passes the entire game. Six. They had a freshman quarterback. He's not even their starter. Nolan is the starter. He's injured. He's out for the season. You got a freshman quarterback in the Civil War. How do you not let him take over the game? Especially when you're down. They were down 21 in the second half. You would think it would be time for them you know, to put it in the QB's hands and let's see what he's got. I know he can't pass. He couldn't pass. He threw a pick that game too. He was 6 for 13. Right, that's not gonna light anybody up. I don't think that would scare me if I was a DB. I'd be like, "Yeah, throw me the ball. I'm gonna get a pick." But the the front seven for Oregon, that's the strength of the team, and they were god mighty awful. Right, Noah Sewell, preseason All American linebacker, Justin Flo, All Conference preseason. What are you guys like? You like hello? Like you guys are. Linebackers, you guys are supposed to stop the run. And you guys know what Oregon State was going to do anyway. And you still couldn't stop them. Front seven, I mean, defensive line too. No sacks. And granted, it's hard to sack a quarterback when they only throw it 13 times. But my goodness, just a terrible defensive showing. And I don't know what was worse the defense or the actual coaching itself and the decisions. Because I want to say they went what Oh for... Correct me if I'm wrong on this. Were they all for 5 on fourth downs, Greg? I mean, it was... It was terrible. Just a terrible, terrible decision. And to me, the some of the decisions that they did, you know, fourth and one... They have Blake but uh, that like Bonex at quarterback. You know, we all know he's hurt and you call a read option for him when he's on one leg. That was brutal. Like, that is what that one was awful. What? Like why? Like fourth and one. Trust your big boys up front. Give Bucky Irvin the ball and just let him plow through if you're gonna well, go go yeah. for it. First so off, I think you should have punted going? the ball. Yeah,
0: exactly. There we go.
1: But if you're going to go, which I don't agree with, why are you putting the ball in the legs of a quarterback whose ankle is not 100%? That makes no sense to me. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they they muffed the punt. Stuff like that happens. And it's probably just because of the snowball effect. We're just playing bad. But to me, what was really frustrating, too, is early in the game, right? We were all talking it's fourth and three, you know, we're in field goal range. We got Camden Lewis. He's been money all year. You know, let's take the points, right? Why are we going to pass up points early in the game? And look at that came back to haunt us. And I, I was telling myself, like, I really hope this doesn't come back to hurt us. And it did. We lost by four. And oh, let's just let's just do some math. We kick the field goal. We get three more points. And on the last drive, we needed a touchdown. We were at first and goal from the four. So worst case, we could kick the field goal. We go up and maybe a miracle happens. Maybe Oregon State fumbles the ball or something. Because you know they're going to run anyway. But maybe they fumble. We don't know. We don't even have that situation because we didn't have the lead. Or have the chance to kick a field goal late in the game. Like the absurd fourth. It's like I was telling you this too like brandon's or maybe it was blaze like dan lanning looked like brandon staley to me last year just recklessly going for it on fourth down like no conscience like just yeah. okay. what's the logic that's pretty rough. kick the field goal take the points early put the pressure on oregon state right they're the underdogs make them feel that hey yeah we're here you know we're here we're gonna control the game Don't not get it. And then you give them all the momentum. Like, And then let's go back to that last drive. Because this is, to me, this is what was really frustrating too. And this is what you got to call knowing your players. You got first and goal on the four. First and goal on the four. So you would think, all right. I was thinking, okay, they're going to score here. You know, two, three, even four plays. We're going to score. And you run, what, three times? With Jordan James, who's your third string running back, and oh by the way, he's your smallest running back. Like, like, why, 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 why are you using your your small guy, your in essence a third down back on the goal line, when you got Bucky Irving, you got Noah Whittington, two bigger guys, more physical runners, like muscle up, like. <sighs> Why, like, it was absurd to me. And then on third down, oh, yeah, or fourth down, oh, yeah, let's bring in Bucky Irvin when we're going to pass. Maybe that's the time to bring in Jordan James when you're forced to pass. But not on first, second, and third down. Just poor. Poor, poor coaching. Um, it, I don't even know. I don't <laughs> want to talk about it already. It it was bad. It was bad. Congrats, please. But, yep officially a disappointing first season for Dan Lanning. I will say that. Very disappointing season. Because you had everything in the palm of your hands. You had control to go to the playoffs. But you couldn't beat Washington at home. And you couldn't beat your rivals when you're up 21 late in the third. I don't care. That's a very disappointing first season for Dan Lanning. If this happens again next year, fire him. You can't you can't this is Oregon. It's not time to mess around. It's not like we're getting it's not like we're not UH, right? You're Oregon. You Phil Knight, nice. you know, you got the old, you got Nike, you got the brand. You you're gonna get recruits. You you can produce at least a Pac-12 title, or at least can at least play in the game. And hell, at least beat Oregon State. But yeah, not a good look for Dan Manning. And a very, very disappointing ending to the season. I didn't care what they do in the bowl game. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. My only silver lining is maybe Bo Nix comes back. Because uh, I think he has some uh, redemption just because of the injury. Kind of set them back a little bit. But outside of that, yeah, very sour, sour feeling to the season so far to end.
0: Yeah. Um, tough one for Ducks fans for sure. But you gotta feel good if you're an Oregon State fan. Uh, you proved you can hang with the big boys, and you know that Oregon State. I don't know how many starters they're gonna lose, but you know they can hang. They can hang with some of the big boys. So maybe this is good, a good step for Oregon State. Uh, moving forward, just with their program in general. So, I mean, they're sixteen, fifteen, and ranked fifteen and sixteen now to end the year. So in the AP poll. Yeah. So they're right next to each other. Uh, I'm sure Oregon State's happy about that, and Oregon is Oregon is just sick to their stomach for sure. But it was an exciting game. But man, you just got to be able to catch the ball, punt the ball.
1: <laughs> um, you know, you just got to take points when you when you get the opportunity to. Too. Sometimes, you know? common um, sense, guys. Come on.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the other college football stuff um so michigan versus ohio state michigan won last year i was not expecting michigan to win this year at all yeah but you know maybe it's the the rise of jj mccarthy and this has got to hurt cj stroud's draft stock right for sure um Kind of it was kind of debated, right? Him or Bryce going in number one next year. Might be leaning a little more towards Bryce now after this loss. But yeah, just I mean, I know Michigan's defense is tough, right? But I was just surprised at how many explosive plays, and that was kind of what everyone was talking about, right? It was the big plays that Michigan had without their Heisman hopeful Blake Corum. So, probably just an even more impressive win for Michigan and an even more inf- deflating loss for uh, Ohio State. So, shakes up the poll because Ohio State's out now. They're number five. And so, are, so remind me, are they still playing in the, the title game though? They're not, right? So, their only hope at this point is if Michigan and or and or usc loses
1: or tc i would i would say michigan because i think they released the college football playoff poll tomorrow officially right so it's going to be georgia michigan i think those two guys are you could argue they're kind of locks already even if they lost their championship games i think they would get in but the real question is okay tcu and usc they're probably going to be three and four but if they lose, if those two guys lose their championship games, then who's going to get in next? Right? Ohio State is yeah. probably going to be there. Alabama is just lingering there with two losses. They're probably going to be six, if I had to guess. So they might need a little more help.
0: Well, the other question, too, is does Ohio State drop out of the polls? You think? I, mean, they I think were they're the out of the top seed, four. They yeah. were the two seed, but they lost to the three seed. So does that bump them to the four, and just swap TCU, you know?
1: To I three, I think honestly, to the four. I think the real question is where does the committee rank Ohio State and Alabama? Because I think one of those and USC. Well, both of them, yeah. So I think USC is going to be four, if I had to guess. TCU is going to be three because they were at four, so everyone just bumps up. But then Ohio State lost, so do you put them at five? Do you put them at six? But it's Alabama. They just came off a you know, good win against uh, Auburn the Iron Bowl. But they do have two losses, so it's like...
0: I think Ohio State's got to be five, then.
1: I, I think so, too.
0: They're just praying for someone to lose.
1: Yeah, and you pray that USC or TCU loses. And then... If a miracle happens and they both lose, then Alabama would get in, which would be like.
0: Could you imagine how pissed everyone would be if TCU and USC loses? But yeah,
1: I will say though, like USC, Utah is not an easy matchup for them. Utah is dangerous, and they can run. And USC is not good defensively. No, they're not. So (laughs) So I think. Utah is not going to... That's a tough matchup for USC. I I think Utah can win that game. TCU, I truthfully, I don't really know too much about them. It's the Big 12. They're probably going to win. But USC, is. it's not a lock just yet. They're going to need Caleb Williams to deliver a Heisman performance again. Yep. For them to That'll
0: that'll lock his Heisman. If he wins, if they win the Pac-12, he's the Heisman for sure, I think. Yeah. I think so too. You can book it. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Ooh, yeah. The CFP poll. I'm looking forward to, because I have this weird feeling they might not put USC in. I don't know why. I have a feeling they might they might have to make USC win to put them in.
1: Oh yeah, they get well, they they win, they're in. But if they lose, they're out. To
0: me. All right. Well, I guess we will see. How it all plays out, then. Um, all right. Well, we'll wrap college football there. I guess we can talk a little bit about college basketball. We don't do that too much. And we especially <laughs> don't talk about Portland. Our, our school. Mater, our alma mater's uh, college basketball team. Oh. Who, I don't even know who the coaches. Haven't seen who the players are.
1: Legion Legions. I have no idea who
0: that is. But... <laughs>
1: He's a good coach. He came from Eastern Washington, though. He's
0: doing a great job. I can tell you that. Uh, they're in the Phil Knight Classic. They play that every year. Don't really pay attention to Portland basketball too much uh, because they're not typically very good. But they hung in there against North Carolina, right? They only lost by, what, eight points, I think? And they lost at the last second to Michigan State, who's ranked 12th. So this team is hanging around with the top dogs in the nation, right? Maybe this could be a year, Matt, a year of surprises for Portland basketball. And I will be following them more closely this year just because we look impressive. So the Terry Porter years are behind us now. (laughs) I've still got your jersey somewhere, Terry Porter, as the Portland coach. Just didn't work out. But... Yeah. go Skolitz, man.
1: Skolitz. And you forgot to mention, we beat Villanova. They went to the Final Four last year, and we beat them by double digits.
0: So this team is looking good. This team is good. I got to go check in because I don't even know who their players are or what's so good about our team. But I will be watching this year. So we got two college basketball teams to track. Yep. So I had to shout out to our pilots. And since we're shouting out the Pilots, uh, good luck to our men's soccer team. Uh, because uh, are we, do we play yet? I know we made it, we made it to the Elite Eight. Of Okay. So our game is, their next game is Saturday. In the Elite Eight. So Portland men's soccer. Good luck, boys. Uh, win this we're in the final four. All right. So we got support this we're a soccer school. So I mean oh yeah we're a soccer school. Yeah. But but yeah, good luck. Uh that'd be that would be sick if we make it to the final four. So yeah. All right. Well good luck boys. Uh let's get to our other college basketball team that we follow. Uh so didn't win the what classic was that? The earlier one? The ago. Rainbow Classic. We didn't win the Rainbow Classic, Las But we did win the North Shore Classic. I don't know how good the teams were per se. I didn't really watch it. I know we won. Uh did you watch any of the games, Matt? Maybe you can
1: uh watch both actually a little bit.
0: Break give but... us some breakdown for these
1: yeah. Well, first game we played uh Sacramento State. Don't know anybody on that team. But when I realized who's on that team uh it was a familiar foe or opponent so we did win 74 to 61 um but Sacramento State they have a big man uh Cameron McCrae last year he played for UC Riverside so he knows UH and he was a menace <laughs> like on UC Riverside not he's not talented he's just big like too big for for our bigs to guard like he just clogs the paint up like he's not fast like, he's almost like a like a really, really bad Jokic. Like, he can kind of pass. He's so slow. But he's just so much bigger than everybody else. It's not like he's going up against, you know, Joel Embiid or guys like that. He's going up against, you know, 6'9", Bernardo De Silva. <laughs> like It's just the, not the same. But the fact that they were able to win that game and Bernardo De Silva was kind of the catalyst in that game. Uh, He played well along with Noel Coleman and really took over the game. So to see an aggressive Bernardo da Silva was really, really good to see. I think he had like 20 points, but we took care of business. And then we played Texas state in the championship. We won 72 to 65. Um, I think that's a good win. Honestly, Texas state is a, is a pretty quality team. They consistently make the tournament every year. They're always like the 16 seed They either in like that first four in, they play the 16 seed, the opposing 16 seed, and then they get killed by a number one seed, but they're always in the dance. So anytime you play a team that makes the tournament, it's a good challenge. And for them to win this game, uh, 72 to 65, uh, really, really encouraging because we saw them against Yale, right. In a close game. And we didn't close it out. We didn't execute down the stretch. Um, but this game was close down the stretch, um, Texas State was, you know, kind of just hanging around. Like, you know, they just wouldn't go away. But, you know, UH did what they had to do. Um, they head on for the win. And, you know, you got guys like Noel Coleman. He's, we already know what you're going to get from him. He was outstanding. Bernardo De Silva, again, with another solid game. And I got to say, the the guy that's really blossoming a little bit this tournament is Harry RuliaDev, uh, their backup big. Um, he's starting to play really well. Um, I can see a lot of potential in his game. You know, he can step out, shoot the three, kind of like a pick and pop guy from the three point line. Um, and he, he's got some skill underneath the basket. I think he just needs to get a little stronger. Um, he's he's a true freshman. So got to get some size in there, but I like what I'm seeing from him. And I will say uh, Jovan has been playing pretty well these past couple games. So, we definitely need him to play well because that's probably the weak link, uh, on the team, but he needs to just stay the course. Um, don't do anything stupid (laughs) because he can do that sometimes, which is what really frustrates us. But Javon has been playing pretty well the past couple games. So overall, a very successful tournament and, uh, we got a game this Wednesday. I might be there. We'll see. But, uh, you know, now it's about let's let's get ready for that Diamond Head Classic. That's the big one. So, good tournament for uh, and they're five and one. That's good. That's a good start.
0: We will take that.
1: I'll All take day. that. So
0: we got two basketball teams on the come up right now. Exactly. That we can look forward to. Uh, okay, Matt. Well, let's get to this little, I guess, short segment. We can end our our show on this. So we're just gonna. A little buy or sell um, on a couple topics regarding our teams. So, first topic: University of Portland basketball will be top four in the conference this year. I am buying.
1: I am buying. Sure. I am buying. I mean, yes.
0: usually the the top guys are BYU and St. Mary's, right? So, if we're hanging around the big boys, oh yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> sorry, okay, sorry, yeah, Gonzaga. Uh, so we could be that fourth seed. So. I could definitely see that happening, you know. Even Gonzaga this year, maybe we give them a run for their money, mm-hmm. right? That would be that would be fun to watch. I I hope we do, because they've been big brother to the whole conference for a long time. So it would be nice to get one against Gonzaga. But hey, top four, I could see that happening. That'd be nice. Um, okay, next one. Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFC at this point. In the season, I'm going to have to sell on that. I got the Eagles slightly ahead of them, but it's close. But I'm still going to have to go with the Eagles. I think I trust that offense a little bit more than I do the Cowboys right now.
1: You know, I respectfully disagree. I'm buying all the way for obvious reasons. But they're playing good. They got a defense. They got offense. And hey, if Dak Prescott plays good, Sky's the limit for this team. And I said, I trust him more than Jalen hurts in the playoffs. See, I so, thought
0: you worded this question so that you wouldn't be biased for once. Like you'd actually admit that at this point the no, I'm the not better. a
1: no, I'm not a biased fan. I'm just saying what I see with what what I'm watching on TV and what I see with these teams. And I watch this team closely, and I think they're the best team on paper in the conference as of right now. The record doesn't show it, but we're the most complete team in the NFC right right now.
0: <laughs> I'm not even gonna try. Okay, whatever. Um, next one. Tua is currently okay, I will say same thing. At this point in the season, a top ten quarterback in the league. Uh I'm gonna have to go with yes. I mean, they're eight and three. Uh in games that he's started and finished this year, they are undefeated. So, I mean, when you win, I think you're a top 10 quarterback. Uh, you know, guys that typically are ahead of him. Some of them have been on a little bit of a slide this year. I mean, like even Lamar, he's, I mean, the Ravens are winning, but are he hasn't been playing his best football per se. I think I'd take Tua over a lot of guys right now. Obviously, you know, Mahomes, Allen, you know, probably Burrow, those guys are still ahead of Tula on my list. But I mean, Brady isn't playing too well. Rogers hasn't been playing well this year. So I think I'm taking Tula as a top 10 guy for sure.
1: Yeah, I think I would buy that this year, but maybe in the whole grand scheme, you take the whole career. I can't say that yet. But this year, yeah, he's a top 10 QB for sure.
0: Yeah. All right. This is an interesting one. we Well, Mariota and the Falcons win the NFC South. I don't know. This is gonna be close.
1: I'm know. selling. I still got Brady.
0: Okay. Uh, Gotta trust the goat. <sighs> I want to buy it, but I'm gonna have to sell here. Um. Oh shoot. I guess. Well, you know what? We'll end it on that. Out of time, Matt. Oh, well, that was an interesting one. That was a nice little game. But why don't you just real quick give us our sports fact, and we'll call it a pod. All
1: right on November 28th, 1989, Ricky Henderson, the speedster signed with the Oakland A's for a record 3 million per year. How times have changed, right? Yeah.
0: So two the money is coming. Oakland signed a record deal. That's crazy. Two, $3 million. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, we're going to uh, end any second here now, but thank you everyone for listening. Uh, it was a good pod. We'll be back next week. Uh,